Well, hello, hello, hello. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, and welcome to Smoking and Toasting. It is show number 51. This is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine distilled spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Avenue in Houston. That is actually where we are for the second time in three weeks we're at B&B. And the reason we're here today is because really any chance to hang out with Jeremiah will take. Uh, but also because uh, we wanted to do a special show with cigar pairings and Glenmorangi. So that's what today is all about. Pairing cigars with Glenmorangi. And, of course, that puts us out on the back deck at B&B. Yeah, and our engineer won't let us smoke cigars in the studio. Yes, he gets yeah. weird about it. He's a hard ass. That's just, you know, yeah. that's just the way he is. So uh, this is my uh, partner and good friend, Mr. Ian Barry. How are you, Ian? I'm doing great. You know, we're over 50 now. We are. Last We're 51, actually, as so of this week. <laughs> oh, I heard it just gets better from here. You know, it, it really does. That's you know, it's the new 30 or whatever they say. Uh, uh, but we do want to say thank you to We're calling this uh, next series of shows 50 something. Well, yeah, and we want to say thank you to all of our guests last week. We had, of course, the uh, all of those call-ins, none of which were staged, uh, all of which were. Completely and totally real, and yeah, we like would that. never That's do something crazy, like that. Uh, but no, it was it was great fun. It was it was it was cool just talking <laughs> to everybody and and uh, remembering some of the great guests we've had on the show. And today will be another one of those memories because uh, Dan Crowell from Glamorangi will be joining us. So now I've I'm met really Dan excited at, at, about a, this. at a couple of uh, events now, and uh, we always strike up a conversation, talk about cigars and whiskey. So. When uh, when he reached out to me, I thought this would be a great a great opportunity to actually do this. Yes. One of my favorite pairings, I've talked about it before, is that Glenmorangie 10 with a Perdomo 10th anniversary champagne. I don't know what it is about those two things. They form they Voltron. Just, they just, yeah, Or connect. something. Yeah. <laughs> like when they get together. And, uh, and so we're going to prove that to him today. Awesome. That, uh, that sounds good. He's brought uh, several different uh, bottles from the distillery. So we'll be trying out uh, a few different cigars with... Several different uh, spirits. And, yes, this uh, looks so good. And Jeremiah from uh, B&B is here, and he has already lit an Opus X. Dude, you did not mess around. Well, yeah, we don't like to do things halfway here at B&B. <laughs> by, by, by the way, this Opus X is actually uh, it's a smaller gauge than the one we carry, but uh, we, we do have these for purchase in our humidor at B&B. You do have uh, Opus X, and you, have, mm-hmm. you also have the Perdomo uh, anniversary. Uh, I'm sorry, not Perdomo, the uh, Padron. Anniversario, Anniversario yeah. 1964, which, yes. We've got a couple of really, really good selections. Those always seem to be the two cigars that when people talk about, you know, non-Cuban, um, but super top of the line, those are kind of like the default two, aren't they? Well, I mean, Padron for me, I mean, I just like, again, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, like anything dark and mysterious, those Maduros just speak to me. Oh, yes. And it kind of goes, you know, I tend to lean towards um, the, the bigger flavored drams and whiskeys, and so... You know, you, it, when you're when you're smoking up a drone, you, you got to go heavy. Like so, the only problem that I have with those uh, Padron anniversarios is they've kind of spoiled the regular Padron for me. <laughs> but they they have, I used to love those. You know, when I first started to uh, to smoke cigars, and that was before I'd ever tried an anniversario. And now, when I'm standing in that aisle at the tobacco shop, and I'm looking, hey, I'll buy some of these Padrones. That's only like five bucks. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's kind of like our bacon here at B&B. Yes. You know, it's like once you've had it, you go to eat regular bacon and you're just kind of like, oh, thanks, I, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's bacon. I'll take it. Yeah, right. There's nothing wrong with bacon. But, hey, let me tell you about yeah, bacon. Let's, let's talk about bacon. By the way, Ian was telling me on our way over here 
that you can actually buy that bacon at uh, B&B and take it home. Yes, uh, both of our both of our bacons, we've got the uh, the standard uh, applewood smoked, which is like about, for those of you who have not been here, this bacon's a little over half an inch thick per slice. Uh, and then we do a version called Chef Tommy's Bacon, which is uh, topped with Roquefort blue cheese. They put it in the salamander oh, to get all gold and bubbly. The directions are right on the it's pack. And then they, uh, they drizzle it with a uh, black trouble-infused uh, honey. Um, comes with all the instructions to make it at home, and it is absolutely amazing. Can I find a black truffle-infused honey at Whole Foods? Uh, well, it comes in the box. So, oh, you know, we, 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 we set oh, you, you up with literally oh. everything you need. That 22 oh. bucks gets you the whole shebang. That, so what I like about that is, you know, you could have, like, somebody over, like, on a Sunday for brunch right. or whatever and go, uh, hey, I'm going to make some bacon. You guys want some bacon? And you know what they're expecting. And then you lay that on them. Especially, especially someone that hasn't been here. Of course, huh. I'd, I'd wind up having to fess up. But so, You're right. Yeah. And that's if I could make it as good as you guys. Oh, I'm telling you, if you follow right. the instructions, it's pretty awesome. All right. Well, uh, this will be happening. I'm just warning you, this will be happening. Also, when we wandered through there, my wife saw a little thing of truffle butter that she had to pick up, too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And if you're into... To, that's uh, going to go on one of my steaks. Hamon Iberico, <laughs> um, all, the, all the charcuterie you could want. Uh, Ian, I noticed that you have uh, lit. We we did. Ian and I got here and then promptly did what cigar guys do, which is like, oh, I brought these cigars for you. Oh, I brought these cigars for you. <laughs> the cigar I say these. Changed. He gave me two. I gave him one. But uh, but I see you've uh, chosen to smoke the one that I gave you. I did. This is the newest uh, Quesada Oktoberfest, and they're so good. Like uh, every yes. Oktoberfest I had, I've had is fantastic. So far, this has got. I just lit it up, so the initial light on this is. Nice and big and, and traditional cigar smoky with a little hint of, of chocolate mocha kind of mm-hmm. stuff going on. And this is a, an interesting shape because it's kind of like a short, fat torpedo. Like a mini perfecto But then it tapers ish. again towards the foot. So it's something, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a very it's unique shape. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I've smoked several of them last week at home. <laughs> <laughs> You're ahead of me. So you yeah, hear as you go through how the draw is affected, how it goes from taper to bigger, back yes, to taper. Yes. And I always default, you asked me earlier, I always default to start out with a punch. I just prefer that for whatever reason. Um, and the other thing that happens is if you get a tight draw on a cigar, you can always go to a clip after a punch. So it's never a big deal. But I, And the other, I, probably the biggest reason I default is because you can get a punch built into a lighter. Mm-hmm. And then you're not carrying more than one device around. And that mm-hmm. makes me happy, as too. I, as I stare at my... Uh my very high tech cigar carrying case. <laughs> it's it's why the iPhone was successful, if you think about it, because now you didn't have to carry your phone and your iPod and a camera and a camera. Which, by the way, they retired the iPod this way. I think you can still get iPod Touch, but the other the other ones oh, are really? are all retired now because nobody's buying them anymore. Right, right. I mean, you put it all you on just your puts phone. It all on your matter. phone. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, I have chosen to light one that uh, Ian gave me. This is the Hoya de Monterey, uh, but it's by A.J. Fernandez. Yes. So this is, I love these cross-pollinations that are happening in the cigar industry right now, where you've got craftsmen and, and, and blenders from one company kind of working hand-in-hand with another one. I think it's awesome. You know, you we've been seeing it in the uh, microbrew market for uh, mm-hmm. quite a few years now, too. That's it's right. nice to see it kind of bleed over into the uh, uh, craft cigar market we talked about and i'm still looking for one of these because i one of these packs because i really want to get it but we talked about how boston beer company which is sam adams is doing that they're taking little kind of like under recognized craft breweries from around the country and pairing with them to do samplers so you got that's some of their stuff so some fun of the craft brewery thing. i love that so and I'm, that's a win-win for, for everybody it, it gives sam adams a little bit of a fresh outlook in the public and mm-hmm. plus they get to bring some people up 
that uh, that you know don't get that kind of exposure anyway. That's right. I, I, I just think it's a wonderful idea. And we did talk about that a couple of shows ago. By the way, if you haven't caught up on the show, uh, you can always go to the SoundCloud page or to iTunes or to Google Play and uh, listen to the older episodes. And I've, I've talked to a number of people recently, that, and they'll go, uh, I go, they go, oh, what'd you do on the show this week? And I'll mention, they'll go, oh, well, I'm still on number 30, 37, but I'm catching <laughs> up, you know. So, so I, you don't have to listen to them in order, but, you you know, you certainly can. So um, there's a lot going on in the cigar industry uh, this week. The judge has extended the deadlines by 30 days on the FDA lawsuit. This is the one that's going to change the whole packaging, and, and it's it's the cigar industry has been fighting this tooth and nail. So we'll tell you what all of that means. Uh, we'll also be welcoming uh, Dan Crowell from Glenmorangie doing some Glenmorangie tasting. We've got some uh, beers to taste. The Rar and Sons Ugly Pug Black Lager is with us today. Uh, the Abita Brewing Big Easy IPA. And then Ian's all excited because I brought us the Carbacca Limited Edition number 16 Nigel barley wine style ale. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on a show, but I actually really enjoy a barley wine. I think I, I, I was shocked to hear that it would be a barley up. wine. Yeah, I'm shocked. I don't know if it's come up. Uh, <laughs> like, so we'll like, this to, is a little known fact Please about make me. a note of it, people. Right, right. Ian may enjoy the barley wine. Send me barley wines. Yeah, so, uh, so that's going to be exciting. We're looking forward to that. Uh, and we're going to be, uh, well, these different cigars that we mentioned, we're going to be pairing them with uh, some different um, distills of Glenmorangie and really excited to see how they match up, what goes with what, and where we, uh, where we sort of uh, come on board with the cigar pairing. So that's really good. Plus, lest we forget, it's summertime, it's cocktail time. I have Star Wars cocktail recipes for you. Star Wars yes, cocktail yes. recipes? And as if all of that wasn't enough. But wait, there's more. Yes. Fried chicken IPA. This is where you put the as seen on TV. Yeah, that's right. As seen I, I on TV. I don't know what's going on here, but I support this fully. Fried, <laughs> fried chicken IPA? <laughs> I, I just know I'm in. Whatever's happening, uh, I, I'm in. I'm it's too, apparently, it's one of those two great tastes that taste great together kind of kind of things. So all of that uh, will be coming up on the show today. So this should be uh, this should be a good one, Ian. I, I know for sure we're tasting one of my favorite whiskeys on this planet. Oh, so you are a big fan of the yeah, Glenmorangie. Yeah, one of my one of my desert island whiskeys is in the lineup today. Oh, so. that's very very good. So, all right, you'll have to tell us all about that when we get there because you're a man of some pretty distinct taste when well, it comes you know, to whiskey. I mean, you, you've got Dan here, so I'll let him. <laughs> I'll just all tell right. you what I like. All right, Dan will join us in the next uh, segment as we uh, enjoy. Some Glenmorangie. Plus, uh, we'll sample this Rarin' Sons Ugly Pug Black Lager, all coming up in the next segment. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting, brought to you by and live from B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in Houston. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the show that is all about craft beer, fine distilled spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, my name is Cruz. My partner, Ian Barry. We're live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. They are the sponsor of the show, and we love them. We uh, don't just say that because they're the sponsor. We'd be here even if they weren't. Don't tell them. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, speaking of, we were just talking in the, in the break we were talking with uh, Jeremiah, 
who is the uh, bar manager in charge of all things spirits uh, for um, for B and B. And tell me again what you were telling about this this thing that you do where you get the whiskey on your hands. How, how does that work again? Uh, well, so and like I said, Dan can probably go into a little more detail, like having done probably more tastings than myself. Um, but typically, when you when you're going through spirits. Um, you take a couple drops and you just kind of put it in the palm of your hand and rub them together. And then take your open palms and just sort of like all the way up to your nose. It's going to sound a little weird, but then just kind of. And the idea is you, you learn things about the whiskey. It gives you a sense of proof by how quickly it evaporates, um, whether or not there's peat or anything different in the mash bill, um, as well as, you know, we were talking one of my favorite things is non-chill filtered whiskeys. And you can tell you'll get a little bit of this oiliness that's left on your hands. Um, you know, it's just as part of the whole, like, as you go dive into that rabbit hole that is everything whiskey, um, there's just, you know, there's countless methods and countless techniques to go through and just add to your experience. You know, That's this just is just a reason for me to go around smelling like whiskey now. Yeah, right? well, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I tend to find that happens crush, to me by default. I crush a little bit on my, uh, uh, on my uh, wrists, you know. Mm-hmm. A little dab <laughs> behind the ears, just, you know. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm the guy who would be like on the airplane or whatever, and I'd be like saying to the person seated next to me, "Does this smell like uh, like forty proof to you?" <laughs> it's a good way to get uh, an, an empty seat beside you. By the way, right, on the plane, right. yeah, um, just you know, just just saying, yeah, or fill it. Yes, exactly. So, without further ado, let's welcome in uh, Dan Crowell from Glen Morangie. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. It is. Uh, it is really nice to have you. We uh, will make no secret of our love for your product, uh, that's, and that's great. you know that's just full disclosure. We're already fanboys. Yeah. yeah so, uh, in fact, Ian uh, bought me a uh, bottle of the ten year. I think it was uh, Christmas. Was it yeah, Christmas? It was Christmas, yeah, Christmas? It's Christmas. Yes. Christmas. Uh, with some cigars to pair and. Uh, there's not a great deal of it left, so uh, you know. Just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, just saying. We're, Such a good whiskey. Yeah. Well, well, it really is, and for a and a very affordable uh, for what you for what you pay for that bottle, I'm not sure you can find something better at that price point. You know what I mean? Yeah, pound for pound, it is a difficult whiskey to compete with. Yeah, it true. really is. And you, so you guys, and is that your best seller? Uh, original, yeah. Uh, original. original uh, Glen yeah. Orangey, the, uh, the full output of the distillery, we are the number four single malt uh, in the world at this point. Okay. Uh, and our, yeah, our clear best-selling whiskey is uh, Glen Orangey Original. Now, let's talk about pronunciation because I'm generally wrong in pronunciation on, on most things Scottish uh, and, and Irish and Mexican and uh, uh, Spanish and uh, Canadian. Uh, I'm usually <laughs> wrong on pr- uh, pronunciation, so... What British? Thank you. Uh, so, what is the right pronunciation for Glamorangie? Uh, so, so, so the, the emphasis, emphasis is on more. The second syllable. Like Glamorangie. Always want more of it. Yes. Yes. Uh, very and good. it is the, one of the most frequently mispronounced uh, names in all of single yeah. maltdom. So, I think it would be like typically American to say Glenmorangie, which True, is what yeah. I've been saying. You know? True. But Glenmorangie is the way that you say it. Right. And I do know this, by the way. I'm not completely unprepared for the show. <laughs> I do know that Glenmorangie means. Valley of Tranquility. That is absolutely Gaelic. true. Very nice. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. So <laughs> now Jeremiah's <laughs> laughing. Why is why is that funny? If you could have only seen the way he said it. <laughs> Valley of Tranquility. 
I, I just there's some days I wish that I, we're going to have to figure out how to live stream this. <laughs> well, uh, next time we're here, by the way, we will be live stream. We do live stream from the studio, and we're uh, working on our uh, rig actually to live stream from from here. So we'll be doing that by okay, cool. by the next time we're here. So, uh, but yes, I'm a, I'm a very you know I'm very in touch with that whole Zen uh, way of thinking and Valley of Tranquility sounds wonderful to me, particularly when I know that it's the meaning behind the. Uh, Name of Glenmore. Right. And if you have a chance to go to the distillery, you will discover that it's a very tranquil place, one of the most beautiful scenic uh, spots in all of the mainland. I've seen pictures, and it looks very old school. Yeah. Like, the whole vibe of it. Like, it is, yeah. uh, it is not this new modern thing. It's more like you stumbled almost like back into time yep. to the way they did things in the olden days. Absolutely. Sort of Stone buildings, the whole nine yards. There's been very little that's changed about uh, the Glamorgia Distillery is since uh, it was established in 1843. Uh, the new biomass plant, that wasn't around in 1843, but uh, <laughs> the predominance of the of the uh, the Dunnage warehouses, the single-story warehouses that surround the distillery, and of course the, the still house, which used to itself be a, uh, a storage warehouse, those are all uh, original stone buildings. So there's been some, you know, some upkeep and renovation. We put a stained glass window uh, in the the still house because it already looked like a, a whiskey cathedral. So we just decided <laughs> to finish that thought. Dan, if I'm not mistaken, you guys have the tallest copper stills. The yeah, tallest copper pot stills. stills that's or? true. Yeah, um, for any of the single malt distillers, you'd have to use a copper pot still to mm-hmm. distill. Uh, in the in the Scotch grain uh, industry, Scotch grain whiskeys can be distilled in column stills. Of course, those would be taller. Sure. But yes, uh, copper pot stills ours are the tallest and in the, the industry. Tall, and then that, that's a more, if I'm not mistaken, it's a much more ethereal. It finished tends pro. to be, yeah, it encourages a lot of reflux uh, and a lot of copper contact, so you end up uh, accentuating, which uh, is already present in the whiskey. You, you end up accentuating fro- uh, floral and fruity characteristics uh, fairly aggressively with a, with a taller still. Speaking of floral and fruity characteristics. Yes, let's get into this. This is yeah, so yeah. good. Like, yeah, are you already drinking? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well done. Uh, I'm, already, I'm already in. Well, it's interesting because... Uh, uh, Dan, you are trying uh, Ian's go-to pairing, which is the Glenmorangie original. The Glenmorangie. Sorry, I'll have it right by the end of the show. I know. Uh, the original with this Perdomo Champagne, uh, which is a, a mild to medium-bodied cigar. And Ian just goes on and on about this pairing being they one of his absolute favorites. They blend so well together. It's extraordinary. They, yeah, they really complement each other. That It's like the flavors work around each other, but then work together at the same time. I don't know how to describe that. A lot of people, people, um, that's something that I think kind of gets lost in pairings. Like whenever I, let's say I have a guest here at the restaurant, you know, you can have a cigar that overshadows the whiskey and a whiskey that overshadows a cigar. You know, if if you were like, we were talking about that Padron 64, I think if you take a a, a big Maduro like that, you know, with say the the Glenmorangie 18, I I think you're going to lose some of that subtleness like subtlety in in the whiskey, whereas if you paired it more with like like the La Santa the, or the Quinta Ruban, I think is just made in heaven for those big, deep, rich flavors, yeah. you know. And and I think that's something that is, don't be afraid. The guys at Specs are really good at this, or here, you know, if you're hey, I want to smoke and I want to have a drink, ask, Recommend. you know, absolutely yeah, ask the yeah. guy at Specs. Hey, yeah. this is the bottle I'm going to buy. What do you think would pair with this for a couple different sticks? You know? Yeah, and there's some basic things, like pairing wine or anything like that. There's basic things that you know are going to go together, like different profiles in cigars and uh, different profiles in whiskeys. And you'll find that certain ones will, will definitely go together. But sometimes you find those, like this pairing that you're smoking, sometimes you'll find that. 
and it's just the right pairing. It just works so well. How does that pairing feel to you? What are you What are you thinking, Dan? I like. Uh, I actually got uh, this was recommended to me about a month ago. I was in a cigar shop in Milwaukee, and she went on and on and on. The other uh, proprietor of that particular shop went on and on about this exact pairing. And since then, I've heard it referred to a number of times, and I'm really glad to see it happen here because it's the first time I'll actually that I'm actually experiencing the two together. Their weights on the palate are are very synergistic. They both feel great great together. Uh, your point about them working independently and together at the same time is beautiful. There is, I imagine there's in the in the broader, and I include myself in this number, uh, cigar novice uh, uh, crowd, that there is a, mis- uh, a conception out there that peated whiskeys are the only whiskeys to pair with cigars because, because of the smoke. And that's absolutely not the case. No, I'm discovering no, no, that no. even more so no, no. now. Well, and, and the funny thing about that is that Perdomo... Uh, the 10th anniversary is a great cigar. It's a little lighter in profile than what I generally smoke, than what I generally pick out. And I'll be honest, I, I tripped upon this. I had some of those uh, 10th anniversaries. I got on a special and uh, and lit one up and did my whiskey sniff, and I had the Glen Morangi in there. And just like I, when I smelled it, I was like, those two go together. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I was like, this is so great together. Now, I'm going to say, I'm smoking this uh, Hoya by A.J. Fernandez that I got from Ian. And my expectation was that this would likely overpower the original a little bit, but would match up a little better with some of the others that we may be trying. i got to tell you, this pairing is very good. It's very versatile whiskey. And you're smoking uh, an Opus X. How does that make? Uh, it's, it's working great. I mean, that's the thing about the 10 is, like, there's, there's enough going on that it, it, it shines on its own with the smoke. But I also think the 10 is a great platform to, like, to elevate most cigars. Well, I think the I think the fruity flavors in it too really, like cigars don't interrupt the fruity flavors in it, so you still get that complexity going on, like the dark fruits and some of the oak too, the, mm-hmm. the oak finish that you get from it. Right, really yeah. cuts through and, and adds a nice dryness to the finish. And when you're having that cigar, it's really nice together. We do talk quite a lot with uh, Glamorgi, particularly original, about its ability to be both approachable and complex, which mm-hmm. is not an easy balance to strike. Oh, you're absolutely uh, right. So, yeah, you're in absolutely that case. Right. I will say I'm much more of a whiskey novice than Ian. Ian knows much more what he's talking about. I know more about rum than he does, so I've been sort of like guiding him towards some rums. And interestingly enough, when it came time for Christmas, this is the whiskey he gave me to take me to that next you know that next step in my uh, in my whiskey evolution and what's great is that i have found it to be so versatile with yep. different foods and just like we're talking about with cigars now matching up with all of these different smokes so well so i'm excited to get to uh the next one in the next segment we're going to try what uh, this is going to be Glamorange and Kintarubon. Uh, we'll take a slight jump in proof and a, a little bit of a difference in terms of cast provenance. All right, and we'll also get to the uh, Ugly Pug Black Lager, which we uh, ran out of time for in this segment. But we'll open with that in the next one. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting live with Glen Morangi, Pairing Cigars. Glen Morangi. I told you I'll get, by, I'll get it by the end of the show. Pairing Cigars at B&B. We'll be right back. And welcome back. It's uh, Smoking and Toast, and we are live at B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in um, Houston. And I love being live from here. Not only is this sort of our home away from home, and it's where 
Jeremiah hangs out. But we also get to smoke during the show, which is really enjoyable, particularly important when you're trying to do a cigar pairing show, which is what yes. we're doing today. So we've all got we've got four different cigars uh, going here, each one of us. And uh, so we'll see how everything pairs as we go kind of up the line with Glenn Morangy. We'll get to that in a moment. We're also about to test this Rar, uh, Rar and Sons uh, Ugly Pug Black Lager. And while Ian's pouring that, I just wanted to let you know that two of my favorite things have gotten together. Two of my very favorite things in the world. India Pale Ale and Fried Chicken. Oh, I thought you were going to say me and... <laughs> well, okay, you're, you're on the list, buddy, but, you know, uh, this is chicken and beer. And fried chicken and beer are kind of like coffee and donuts. I mean, where you find one, you're going to likely find the other, right? Well, Vale Brewing Company, which must be from Colorado, uh, has teamed up with Evil Twin Brewing Company, and they've created Fried Fried Chicken Chicken which is a limited edition IPA. It's a double dry hopped brew included uh, two full trays of chicken tenders go into the mash, and it's meant to evoke Evil Twin founder, uh, the Evil Twin uh, Company founder's experience of eating fried chicken at Cracker Barrel. At Cracker Barrel. Yes, yes. Uh, It's in 16-ounce cans and four packs, and it has uh, debuted in some parts of the country this week. I have not seen it here. I have looked. So this is an open call to any of our listeners anywhere. I knew I supported this fully for a reason. If you have Cracker Barrel? If you have fried fried chicken chicken where you are, we have not been able to find it here in Texas so far. I can tell you right now, if you send a six-pack of this, in fact, I'll say a 12-pack of this to B&B, I will assure you you have an amazing meal here. (laughs) Okay. I will happily bribe you with all the bacon you could possibly handle. And trust me, it's worth it. Worth it. bacon. It's worth it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh uh, well, since we don't have the fried fried chicken chicken, and, and so and I'm keeping that. Uh, you know, I really, I really want that, and I really want Pliny the Elder. So if anybody has got either of those out there, we yeah, we're we, actually begging now. We're begging. Yes, we are. <laughs> In the meantime, though, what we do have is the advantage of being relatively close to Fort Worth, Texas, which is the home of Rar and Sons. Rar and Sons, and uh, they are very well known for the. Uh, ugly Pug Black Lager, and that's what you poured here, Ian. It, yes, Have you it already just to be. By taste? the way, they changed the can. Yes, they did. It's they a different just can. recently. And uh, it'll be on the picture on the show, so you'll see what the new can looks like. But yes, I think the old one just had the pug on there, right? Right. This yeah. is... It, ugly Pug's been a standard for years. It's a great, great beer. And a Black Lager is interesting because you get that lager drinkability, but you have this sessionable beer with a lot of flavor. We haven't know? tried, uh, I think, a black lager on the show, or if we have, it's been a very long time. It has been. Um, yeah, it's all the flavors right up front, nice malty roundness to it, and then a nice crisp, like, just a kiss of hops finish on it. It's really, really good beer. Yeah, what I really like about this is it actually pairs very well with this cigar that I'm enjoying, the uh, A.J. Fernandez uh, Hoyo de Monterey. Uh, and again, Beer and cigars, I think, is a tougher match than um, <clears throat> scotch and cigars. Well, there's so much variety. Yes, so much variety. It's hard to. It's like when you go to a, when you go to a, a, a bar and they have an internet jukebox. There's too much variety. You can't decide what to play. Right. Yeah. Do I want to play Copacabana <laughs> or Hell's Bells? That's I just right. don't know. You know, it's like it's it's one of those type of things. How is that even a question? <laughs> Uh, it was a, it was a, uh, what do you call that? A, 
It was a rhetorical question. question. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I would, I'll, I'll get Glenn Morangy right by the end of the show, but I won't know rhetorical. Uh, speaking of Glenn Morangy, we're about to move into the second uh, Scott. Uh, by the way, a, a plus plus it's on Rar and Sons Black Lock. Yeah, it's a I, great I've completely beer. forgotten. Like, and for a beer with this much flavor, it has a really delicate mouthfeel. It doesn't yep. have that heavy, you know, thick viscosity, which can be good in some instances. But I think this one, you get that complication, and it's just like very sessionable, like you but said. That's, yeah, yeah, and that's why that's why it's a lager. You know, I mean, it's 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 made like a lager, so you get that really light mouthfeel overall, and a nice, crisp, quick finish. And it keeps it from being too bitter on the finish, which I think is really important if you're pairing with a cigar. So, how are you feeling about this, Dan? Well, it's a wonderful beer, and uh, one of the things that we're working on uh, at Glamorangi is encouraging uh, the pairing of craft beers and single malt scotch whiskey. It's actually a really versatile subcategory of imbibement, uh, for lack of a better word. And these two, uh, this uh, Glamorgia Kinteruban and uh, the Ugly Pug, work really nicely together. But this isn't like doing, like, my college days where you do... (laughs) A shot of the whiskey, and then you (laughs) throw it back with a beer. This is a different sort of pairing, right? right? We're kind of looking at it in terms of all of our whiskeys started their lives as beers anyway. So there's a a kinship. There's a sort of an evolutionary relationship between them. Well, and I think it's it's I think it's great that it's finally happening with single malts because that's been kind of a classic thing with Irish whiskeys as a category yep. for yep. some time. Absolutely, is you know a Guinness and you know a neat pour of like a twelve year old Bushmills or a Jameson. Some kind of cask finish or, you know, Middleton. Uh, I, I myself am a, a Bushmills, and I, I love to pair it with the, the amazing Texas lager Lone Star. Um, <laughs> well done. Very, very delicate, uh, subtle lager. <laughs> uh, that's just, now, that's a pairing right there. Yeah, that's absolutely. A, <laughs> but, no, yes, I, I think Dan's completely correct, though, in that um, there's definitely, like, a new movement in, you know, picking out, especially with some of the higher proofs. You know, you go and you go to your, your favorite nice pub, and you get, like, a half pint of something really amazing, and then a pour of the whiskey and just kind of work with them together, and it's, it's a great, great thing. Yeah, they really nice. do live on the palate very nicely together. And it's one of those, it's another one of those opportunities to, uh, to engage uh, maybe bartenders or somebody slightly more learned in uh, helping you to make those pairings a little bit more uh, accurately uh, so that you're, you're pairing weights and that sort you of know, thing. What so I, it's easy. You just ask for a Glenn Morangi with an ugly pug back. <laughs> yeah, Done. there you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and an ugly pug back. Uh, you know what I love about Dan is he, he's such a humble guy. He's like, oh, I'm a novice at the cigars. Oh, you can talk to a bartender or someone more learned. And yet... I'm looking at what he showed up with here today, and uh, yeah, this guy knows what's going on. Uh, what are we tasting next so, year? Yeah, so we're working on Glamorgia Quinta Rubon. The difference between uh, what we tried first, Glamorgia Original, and this one, Glamorgia Quinta Rubon, uh, there are a couple of different significant differences. Uh, for the first ten years of both of their lives, they're essentially the same thing. So they start as the same original. distillate, basically the uh, the same thing. And then at ten years, we're going to bottle as original, or we're going to re-rack it into a secondary cast type, in this case, Ruby Port. I, I would like to take a moment to pause and just acknowledge the vessel with which um, this <laughs> heavenly elixir is being dispensed. Brilliant. Um, so our good friend Dan stopped at a church supply store and got a communion wine dispenser, uh, which, as someone who is of the whiskey faith, uh, I, I find this uh, a, a glorious pairing and a glorious tool for which to uh, it's, it's dole out our, our because, dram here. Because you don't have to actually, you know, move the bottle around. You just right. fill right. this thing and, and you hold it above your 
There's drinking been, vessel and press the little button and dispense as much as you like and move on to the next one. Exactly. There's been zero drops of scotch spilled here today. Yeah, so we, I far. mean, we've got ashes zero. all over the table. Right. <laughs> we've got all kinds of stuff going on, but we've not dropped any scotch. I will just say, too, that I believe that it's important to recognize that in our world there are many different ways to worship. And, uh, <laughs> and this, is, this is one of mine right here. So. Right. We should probably offer these at the Whiskey Cathedral that is Glenmorangie. Yes. That would That's be. a true story. Well, I know they're offered at the Whiskey Cathedral that is B&B. That is true. That is absolutely true. There is oh a, there is a wide selection, and I'm going to shamelessly plug Glenmorangie. Uh, Dan and I were just talking. I think we have about seven marks, right. uh, several of which are one-off bottles that are very difficult to find. So Right. Yeah, the three that you have currently in stock, uh, one of them, uh, Tagta, was our, uh, what do we call that? It was uh, basically crowdsourced whiskey. We gave the, the world via the Internet and via live tastings uh, the opportunity to tell us what to bottle. And so we did, and that was a manzanilla. That, that was is, a that is my second favorite expression of, of Glenmorangie ever. And really, really hard to find. It was a, there was, it was a really small allocation that went, uh, that went out of that. You've also got some Companta, which I believe was one, two, three private editions ago. Yeah, and then the you've got Toussaint, which was uh, two private, well, at least two private editions ago. But that was our experiment in messing with uh, barley uh, varietal. So that one was full-on English uh, Maris Otter barley, 100% floor malted. Uh, the beautiful whiskey, and it's hard to find. Oh, man. And so the, the Companta, if you're into, like, a little dark and mysterious, it's just a beautiful oh, drink. Companta, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. I just tasted this, and holy moly. It's uh, have you, Ian, have you, have you gone here yet? Well, just so you know, on my shelf at any given time, I always have Quinta Raban and La Santa. So the Quinta Raban is a pork cask finish. Right. It is aged for 12 years, yep. and this is actually my first time to try it, oh, and terrific. I'm like, Very I'm cool. blown away. This well, is there's great. a couple of things. This is the first of our non-chill filtered whiskeys, so this is a 46 ABV product, and it has all of its naturally occurring lipids left in solution, so there's going to be a little bit more creamy mouthfeel characteristic and a little bit more present and lingering finish as well. We're also uh, capitalizing on, on uh, tapping into two different tannin sources, wood and the residuals left behind by red grapes, of course, which would have been the port. So it's going to finish a little spicier and it, a little drier. Yeah, it has a others. little different heat profile on the finish. It's really nice and really mellow, but well, it's and present. It's great for smoking. This is a great cigar whiskey. Beautiful. Absolutely. It's got a little more oiliness to it mm-hmm. overall. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That tactile it's thing really, that really nice, yeah. Apparently, you left the uh, oh, so-so Glenmorangies at home <laughs> and just brought the good ones, right? We actually forgot to make them. Yeah, but that's what I love because we're, we're only two steps up the ladder here. And uh, no, the Quinto Rabanne, this is fantastic. And uh, you uh, said it, Jeremiah, with cigars, fantastic. Mm. I, I, thought it, I thought this pair, cigar paired well with the, la- with the original. It really pairs well with this one. And it's a great crossover whiskey. Um, like you talked about rum, I think people that are a fan of aged and, and, and darker rums, I think this is a great crossover spirit um, to kind of get them. There's a lot of similar <clears throat> similarities in the profile. Um, you know, we talk about whiskeys that are good entries. If you're a bourbon guy, this this scotch is more appropriate. I think for someone who's into rums, I think it's a great bridge crosser. Yep. All right, it's smoking and toasting, and we have more Glenmorangie to try. What are we going to do in the next segment? We're going to try a little Glenmorangie 18 year old. Oh, 18. Very much forward to that. Very excited. Plus, uh, the Abita Brewing Big Easy IPA. We'll see how this works with cigars coming up. It's smoking and toasting.
Toast. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. Uh, I, I want to, um, uh, you know, we always love what happens on the show, and sometimes we love even more what happens in between the uh, the segments. And so this is one of the things we're going to start doing uh, with the live stream on Facebook is we're going to leave everything live between the segments. We will apologize in advance for all the swearing that Ian does uh, during those, uh, you know, in between segments. I'm not apologizing for that. You're good. Uh, uh, but something came up a couple of times in between, and I want to address it real quick as we start this segment. And that is that Jeremiah from B&B has now referred a couple of times to Glenn Morangy as Glenmo. And I just wanted to point out that this is the behind-the-scenes shorthand that you don't get on every show, but we're, we're, we're pulling back the curtain and putting you in the know. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's what we call it, Glenmo. Uh, that's pretty much an industry, yeah, industry standard. Um, and then for us, like for, for us, anytime somebody asks about Glenmo, you know, and I'll just shamelessly go into plug mode again for Dan, and then I'll turn it back over. But the thing I, we were talking about before the show is I really love the direction that they've kind of chosen not to go, which is um, in, in the Scotch world, like, You've got this American whiskey boom, and it, it, you know Scotch went through it recently, where they just priced and priced and priced, yeah. and they just pushed to see how far they could take things. And some of the whiskeys on my shelf downstairs are prime examples of you know some of the fifty years. Right. But I, I really feel like, and I actually had a conversation with one of the guys from William Grant, who also respects this, is that Glenn Morangy has taken it more to where the Scotches have their own identities, and you don't need an age statement to to, to say. It's a beautiful product, you know. Like we talked about the Takta and the Companza, which are two of right. my personal favorites Absolutely. that are unaged, I mean, well, not age statemented, and they're they're amazing. They're unique and in, in, individuals, and I just think as a, as a whole, you know, uh, portfolio. I, I really like the fact that Glenmorangie has like kept its value and gone for more unique rather than just age and money. Right. Uh, it's sometimes we, when you run into the single malt category and you just have a progressively older and older, it's a very linear process of appreciating what that brand's about. We aren't really like that. We like to bring people in the door with original, with something complex and approachable, and then move sort of laterally from there and, and, and help people to experience a broad range of uh, flavor profile characteristics. So before we get into uh, the tasting of this next Glenmorangie and of our uh, IPA, uh, I wanted to really quickly go over the big news in the cigar industry uh, this week is the 30-day delay for the FDA uh, 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 regulation decision. They've put a 30-day delay to allow the um, both the uh, opponents and the proponents of the uh, lawsuit uh, to get their stuff together and present it. Cigar Rights of America is a very important organization. I just want to say... Real quickly, we endorse them wholeheartedly here on Smoking and Toasting. Uh, if you will Google Cigar Rights of America, there are different things you can do. There are different ways that you can uh, contact your senators, your congressmen, uh, and uh, support different things that are pro-premium cigars. And uh, they're, they're an organization that deserves your support. So they have been fighting uh, this new regulation. And here's what the 30-day delay actually means. It means, number one, first, that no other deadlines have been changed yet. So it's just a 30-day sort of stay for everybody to get their arguments together and present them in the best possible way they can. Number two, it means the smart money was right, which was the smart money said there would be delays before this all gets uh, resolved. And that's playing out now. 
it's a big win, number three, for smaller and newer companies. It's, it's, a, it's a win for every cigar company, this delay. But it's particularly good news if you're smaller because today means you've got four more years to stay on the market and try to establish your company and its brands, four more years to sell your products, and four more years to try and build the business into one that can afford the regulation right, going forward, right. not just these uh, sort of regulations. Not a walk in the park. The smaller brands still have to comply with warning labels and ad restrictions, but the bigger, more complex, costlier burden uh, is on hold, at least for right now. Number four, it means that some of the cigar companies were so smart by introducing phantom brands, and this was an even better idea. Uh, the writer of this article that I'm quoting from has dubbed these cigars phantom brands. They're all these SKU numbers that were released with some kind of a cigar, but they will be refined and uh, put on the market in a more established way as time goes by. Basically, it's like a placeholder right. for uh, a more complex and involved blend that may come out by getting them out now. This 30 days gives them extra time to get those phantom brands on in case the worst happens and the uh, the legislation goes through as is. Number five, it means this lawsuit is working, that Cigar Rights of America, they're actually having an impact. This is the first real uh, proof of that. And number six, the hope of a complete reevaluation and restart of this entire process is alive and well. So this is good stuff for cigar, uh, for premium cigar lovers everywhere. It's all good news at this point. So very excited about this and happy to pass this along. Uh, there's a great cigar blog called Half Wheel. And they have uh, this article, six, thing, six Things, What This Delay Means for Cigars. And uh, I recommend it highly. We'll link to it uh, on our uh, Facebook page uh, on uh, Smoking and Toasting on Facebook. All right. Uh, Ian has already poured the IPA. This is a very interesting uh, uh, IPA from Abita, which is a very well-established. Ian has awesome. already tried the IPA. Okay. So talk to me, Ian. The Big Easy IPA, big flavor, easy drinking is what it says. They are not on, lying. Yeah. That is actually, it's a nice big upfront flavor, a super quick finish. It's a low ABV. It's just above 4%, I think. And it is quick and easy. That's like even at a low percentage, that's probably a little dangerous because it's way too easy to drink. One of the reasons that I brought this particular IPA is because it is more sessionable, and I find that the more sessionable sort of citrus on the back type uh, IPAs are generally better with cigars. Some IPAs that I love to drink are not good at, for me at pairing with cigars because that hoppy bitterness really affects the cigar this in a way a that I don't like. This has a lot more delicate. Uh, uh, hop finish on the back than a lot of them do. A lot of them kind of hit you with the hops really big on the uh, aftertaste. And this yeah, one, I think this so one hits much more on the front. The finish is yeah, really clean. Like you get all like grapefruit and yeah. just big, big citrus on the front. I think that's like, I mean, this screams to me. And the malt profile in the middle is real nice too. Yeah, and this just screams walking around Bourbon Street in August. You know, yes. just. The only relief you're going to get is from this little tiny 12-ounce <laughs> bottle. <laughs> no, I, I think, say, go ahead. I'm I sorry. think they hit this one on the nose, actually. I think that uh, they, uh, they really created a product for a specific use. This and strikes they're me, hitting it well. This strikes me as a kind of a lighter version of St. Arnold's Art Car IPA, yes. which is one of my favorite IPAs. Yes. I love that beer. Uh, this reminds me of it, but it's slightly lighter on the palate. 
slightly yeah. lighter, and again, you get a little more. Uh, it's not more malty, but because the the hops are a little more delicate, you mm. get more of the malt profile, which I kind of appreciate. You know. All right, I want to leave us time in this segment to um, to talk about. The Glenmorangie that says on the bottle, extremely rare. <laughs> this is the 18-year uh, Glenmorangie. And uh, so extremely rare. What does that mean? How many bottles of this are in existence? Well, it's not quite so rare as we're letting on. It's uh, part of what we're, what we're getting at there is that uh, over the course of 18 years, there's a decent amount of loss. Uh, there's a decent amount of angel share loss out of those casks. So the rarity is sort of becomes a part of there just isn't a whole lot left in the cask. So what, what does that mean when you say there's loss? What um, does the loss do to? Explain the angel yeah, share. Yes, so angel share, uh, what you're looking at there, it really depends on where the cast sits in terms of temperature, humidity, atmospheric pressure, things like that. But you're going to lose uh, via evaporation because uh, oak is porous. You're going to lose via evaporation a combination of alcohol and water vapor. Uh, if you are in a, in a moist environment like Scotland, you're going to lose more alcohol than water vapor. If you're in a dry environment like, say, Texas or Kentucky, you're going to lose more water vapor than alcohol. So in general, in the U.S., if you've got a cask full of whiskey in the U.S., you generally gain an alcoholic potency because you're losing more water via angel share. And the percentage of volume that you lose annually is going to change a lot, too. Ours at, uh, at Glamorange is just under 3%, whereas you know, here in, uh, in Texas, you, you've got some distillers that are losing 10 15% or more annually out of their whiskey casks. Is there an advantage to losing the alcohol versus the water vapor? Not necessarily. Uh, you could make the argument that wood sugars are, uh, are have uh, relative uh, 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 dilution levels or at least... Uh, um Alcohol is not as good a dissolver of sugar as water is. So you could make the argument that as the proof goes up, uh, you get a little bit less wood sugar extraction out of the barrel. It would be a fairly esoteric ar- uh, argument. Though. And that's kind of, I think, when you get into like the super whiskey nerd part, like how much eugenol, how Absolutely, much vanilla, yeah. what was it baking versus honey, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. I think the American whiskey palate, which we talked about on the last show, the advantage they gain is there's a, there's a, a huge resurgence now in the sort of barrel proof Mm-hmm. Um, single barrel style, and, and I think that that's more of a, an American style. Whereas I think with with your single malts, you know, you're looking more for that complexity and less that less heat. Like, um, and Dan, the question I would ask you would be: I know, for example, we talk about Texas and Tennessee and their bourbons and Kentucky, and they have their rick houses where they move yep. and they ship from one house Absolutely. to the other. How much of that goes on in Scotland? Is it more of a stationary? They bury it in the sand? Uh, no burying in the sand as of yet. Um, uh, Scotland was historically built around the Dunnage Warehouse, a single-story dirt floor warehouse. It certainly isn't exclusively the case now. There are uh, rickhouses and there are palletized warehouses in Scotland just like there are here. But historically, we would have relied on uh, a single-story warehousing, which, is, which requires a whole lot less. And, and even now, even in our rickhouses and, uh, and palletized warehousing, there's no rotating. It stays. Right. Ian, your take on the 18-year? Uh, it's delicious. I might. Uh, I have some questions about this, but I'll ask in the next segment since we're running low on time. But I think the 18 is absolutely fantastic. It's a little higher than your uh, than your 40%. I think it's 43%. It's 43, right. So and we went uh, down to 43 from 46 in the control. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It's got a sweetness that you don't get in the other one. It also has this wonderful tingly spice on the tongue mm-hmm. after you swallow. It's wonderful. That's what? That's eugenol. So I'm learning here because this is all uh, this is all kind of new to me. But I, I do. It's the first of the Glenmorangies we've had 
that have made my tongue tingle this this way. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, very, very nice. Okay, we'll talk more about that coming up. Plus, we have the Signet, which I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure I will be able to handle this. And, Ian, this is all about you in our final segment. Carbox, limited edition number 16, Nigel, barley wine style ale. I'm for it. All right, good. Uh, we'll uh, get to that coming up next to Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back, my friends. It's smoking and toasting. <laughs> I, I have to say, this may be one of my favorite shows so far. Uh, we have had some amazing beers, and the Glenmorangie is just like flowing unbelievably. And of course, we're smoking. And I, I didn't mention this, but once again, my um, AJ Fernandez Hoyo de Monterey has paired beautifully with all three of these whiskeys so far. So it makes me wonder, like. This pairing thing may be, like, overrated. Like, if you get the right cigar, it may just work with everything. So the cigar that you gave me, this Oktoberfest, in, yes. this, in this shape where it starts off and then it gets bigger and starts getting smaller, it's interesting because the flavor was really open and full and really smoky at the beginning, and now it's getting more intense and it's building in flavor, which is nice because we're building in flavor in our scotches as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like... This was made for this. Now, Ian, I know I'm more a fan of the sort of peppery uh, spice in cigars than you are. Is this one too peppery for you in any way? Because it is a little peppery. No, it's got a pleasant kind of pepperiness to it. It doesn't leave you with uh, like a tongue bite kind of, like your tongue burning kind of feel to it. It's really nice. And I like pepper. This is more like a white pepper spice almost. If that makes any sense, you know, yes. like white yes. pepper has it is a more of a white pepper. Flavor. You're right. You're absolutely right. To it, so. um, Dan Crowell is, is our uh, special guest from Glen Morangie. Dan, before we move on to tasting the barley wine and then the signet, which are our final segment taste tests here, um, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't know if you know about this or not, but I saw an interesting article when I was getting ready for the show that Glen Morangie and Renovo, the bike company are collaborating on a bike made from whiskey casks. That's absolutely true. Can you tell me anything yeah, about that? Yeah, be- it's a beautiful bike. Um, I've only seen the pictures so far, but Renovo, of course, is uh, a very, very high-end handcrafted uh, bicycle company. And so what they did was uh, we shipped casks, o- used uh, Glamorgia casks over to them. They crafted the bike frame from uh, whiskey casks and then uh, you know did some amazing finish work on it it's one of the it's maybe the most beautiful bicycle i've ever laid eyes on Ian, you're, have, a, you're a bike guy i have actually ridden a wooden bicycle before at uh at interbike years ago uh there was a company great conference that, that uh what's that great conference yeah, yeah it's fun and uh and and we went out to the um went out to the uh where you can go out there and try out all the different bikes and stuff the uh, at the trails, and they have nice roads out there and everything outside of uh, Vegas. And I rode one of the wooden bicycles, and I can't remember the company, but this was a bamboo bicycle, and it was amazing. It looked crazy, but it rode great. It was a road bike, and it was it was everything you wanted in a decent road bike. It was so nice to ride and compliant, like like even more forgiving than an old steel frame for any of you out here there who ride bikes. You know what I mean. Um, and just such a nice, 
plush ride for you know that style. Of I'm, I'm stuck as a kid and still own a, a 20 inch BMX bike, so Very that's nice. all I ride. Very oh come nice. on, you got to look like a circus bear on that. Uh, no, it's fat, fat guy <laughs> on a little bike, man. It just happens. But it's, it's like what's funny is like when I started trying to ride bigger bikes, I feel like I'm gonna die because I'm so high up off the ground. <laughs> it's just unsafe. But that's actually one of the things that I wanted to comment on with this though is we talked about earlier with uh, different whiskey and beer and. You know, companies pairing with different cool things. This is something that I really like that's happening in the whiskey world is showing craftsmanship with craftsmanship. Um, the, the bike that they're doing with Glenn right. Morangy, um, I, I, I just recently read that uh, Balvini got their coppersmith to make a telescope. Right. That's yeah. all copper. Um, yeah. just, just these cool things that just sort of show, like, the, the true craftsmanship of the guys that do this. You know, the coopers that, 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 you know, build these barrels and treat these staves and the smiths that, that, that repair and take care of these stills. I mean... These are dying arts that I really think it's important to show that are still there, yep. um, you know, and, and that's one of the things for me about scotch versus bourbons. Not only is it just my palate, but I, but I love the history. I, I love everything that goes in. You know, if you Google floor malting of barley, every picture you see of the guys malting, they're old guys. Right. If you Google peat cutting, it's, it's, you know, some guy teaching his son how to cut the cubic yards of peat. I yep. mean, there's, there's, there's something beautiful about that. Yeah, when you uh, when you end up in a distillery, uh, take a distillery tour, especially some of the smaller ones, um, you'll find that the people working there are related to many, many generations of the same family had been working there for a long, there's, long time. There's a formula that trend people refer to called high-tech, high-touch, and it basically states that as we move into a more and more technologically advanced society, that there is a real appreciation for the things that are more organic and generic. You can compare it to vinyl making a comeback in the world of uh, you know digital music and, and exactly. And it's it's really really a cool thing to see this happening in the beverage industry, uh, particularly with things that are so well crafted. So speaking of well crafted, we love Carbach Brewery, even though they've been bought by uh, the big guys by AB and Bev. Uh, and Carbach is a uh, local to us here at the show. They're our Houston boys. And they do a, a series called the Limited Edition Series. We are now about to taste number 16 in the Limited Edition Series. It's called Nigel, which is the most British name that I know of <laughs> that's, well, for that's, a Texas. Uh, that's because for, this is an English-style yes, barley wine. It's a barley wine-style ale aged in oak barrels. I'm going to now turn it over to my barley wine expert. Mr. Ian Barry. Ian, talk about it. Uh, this is everything that a barley wine should be right here in a bottle. It's it's not actually as dark as you'd expect for as big as the beer is. but We've seen that, darker barley wines yes, for sure. And, yeah. and we've seen thicker barley wines. But this has all the flavor profile, the date, the, uh, the dark uh, oak flavors, all those things that a barley wine should have, the big sweetness that it has. And none of it's overpowering. This is a yes, this excellent... Is- very well blended, I this think. This is an yes. excellent okay. example of an English-style barley wine right here. This is easily, I've been on the show several times. This is by far and away my favorite of the barley wines we've tried. It, it is. You mean you've been on the show and we've had barley wines more than once? Uh, I can't imagine <laughs> that that would be true. Little-known Ian secret. Ian yeah. likes barley but, wines. Um, this, this one, I mean, it, you're right. It, it doesn't punch you in the mouth. It, it's round. It, it, it's subtle. The sweetness is not that crazy dark dried fruit and fig sweetness. Right. You know, it's just really, really good beer. This one does breathe a little bit. This is this would be a great barley wine for someone who goes, 
I don't know if I like barley wines. Let me try one. Yes, I know? totally agree. This would be because, this is a barley wine gateway drug right here. Right, and it is good. Even even though I love barley wines, this is a good barley wine, uh, and I like barley wines that are way bigger, way heavier, way thicker than this. But this is just mm-hmm. a good a good example to style. I agree, and I think uh, for me, not being as big a fan of barley wines as you are, this is one of my favorites. I think that I've ever tried. It's just it's, it's just it's got pretty beautiful well balance. balance to it. Yes. Beautiful balance. So speaking of balance, we're actually going to move from the barley wine, which, by the way, Dan, if you weren't here, we'd talk about this barley wine for the rest of the show. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. One and, bit. And, it's and because it's that good. Uh, it's barrel-aged, small batch. It's Carbach, and it's wonderful. But we have Signet to try, and this is a big, big deal. Yeah. And this is a no-age stamp, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, NAS, as long as you're talking about uh, shorthand and single malt, uh, NAS or non-age statement whiskey, this is one of them. Uh, and once you dig into this, and it looks like everybody has at this point, uh, I think it strikes you right away that this is unlike any other single malt. The mouthfeel on this is so interesting and wonderful. It's so different from all the other ones as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a bit of a, uh, uh, our master distiller uh, tends to refer to tiramisu, uh, a sort of a layering, a yeah. creaminess. Wow, uh, wow right up front. A, a chocolatey note, a little bit uh-huh. of maybe uh, candied orange peel happening there. We had talked a little bit about this one uh, in one of the breaks, that uh, at the heart of this uh, distillate is a, a whiskey derived from a 40% high-roast chocolate malt barley mash bill. That's not all that's in there, but it's one of the elements. So and it does shows this up. come from the same distillate, or is this completely different? So, yeah, it's yes and no. Uh, the the, the uh, flippant answer is yes and no. The more specific answer is the heart of it uh, is a distillate run that happens once a year. Uh, so we don't sell just tons and tons of Signet. So we can make a good chunk of it in uh, about 10 days a year. But oh, wow. the rest of it is a batting together of other uh, Glamorgia distillates that are a little bit more resembling what we There's would normally do. There's almost a little uh, nuttiness to the mm-hmm. finish on this, too, that and I'm picking up. I just wanted to say, being someone who was born in Texas, I'm go- I'm getting Tres Leches cake. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Out yeah, of this. Yeah. And that is the highest kind of compliment I could get. It's that vanilla sweetness Very, very much so. And, and then, Dan, so I know with this one we were talking earlier before the show about, yeah. like, h- how they, you know, shut down the distillery and just do the, this to get the, the distillate for this for the week. But right. something that, like, I, I found really interesting as I learned about it, and, and you know, as, as a malt nerd, um, this, this malt, when they do it, if I'm not correct, it, it's almost black. They malt yep. it so dark. Yep. It, it's yes. almost, I mean, it's, so it's just this side of black patent malt. So uh, black patent malt can be pretty much black. Yeah, absolutely. And you go, you take one step back from that, and you have high roast chocolate malt. Uh, so I it wanna, is an intensely roasted barley. I yes. want to point out on pairing, too, we just had this directly after a barley wine. Which, yes. Which wonderful. is one of the biggest styles of beers you can have, and it stands up, and you can still taste everything going on yeah, in it. Absolutely. With, with only a moment left, I just wanted to say, um, this may be, for the cigar that I'm smoking, the A.J. Fernandez uh, Hoya de Monterey, this may be the best of the four in terms of pairing oh, with this particular cigar. Great. It's fantastic. And I also wanted to ask you, what is this... What does this retail for, this uh, bottle? In general, whatever market you're in, whatever you would be paying for Johnny Walker Blue, you're probably paying that same amount for, uh, essentially, uh, McAllen 18 and Johnny Walker Blue tend to live in about that same price point okay. as uh, Glamour and Signet, about two and a quarter. Ian, last thoughts on this? This is fantastic. Thank you so much oh, no, for bringing this out. Yeah. Uh, I haven't tried the Signet before, and this is such a treat, and it goes so well with the cigar. 
This is the Desert Island whiskey I referred to at the beginning of the show. If I was trapped with only three drams, this is one of the three. This, this happened to I also be this. the 2016 uh, uh, International Whiskey Competition's World Whiskey of the Year. Wow. wow. Congratulations. Wow. And, and, and well worth it. Well, I just wanted to say, Dan, this has been uh, a really, really fun episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank really you, uh, Jeremiah, for hosting us at B&B. Anytime, every time, guys. And uh, I also wanted to mention, Dan, we would love to have you back and do a more peated yes. version of, uh, of what we've just done. I'll bring a bunch of Ardbeg that time. It'll be, uh, I'm, I'm doing a dance. That'll make Ian happy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Show 51. It's smoking and Toasting. It's the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, which we certainly have had today, and uh, hand-rolled cigars. Thank you for listening. We uh, love you guys. We did run out of time for sampling the Mumford & Sons IPA. We'll have to get to that next week. Uh, But until show number 52, my friends. Cheers. 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 Thank you.